welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our community pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we conclude our series, Simplify. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Morning, community. How you feeling? Yeah, all right. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Ian. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like I need to just pray for us real quick before we dive in. Would that be all right? Uh, too bad. I'm doing it anyway. So um, let's, let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of uh, one more day to be alive. We know that that is not guaranteed to us, God, and we're grateful that we can gather together to sing loudly, to pray openly. God, I pray that you would move in this room you would convict and restore and heal in ways that only you can, God. And we give this time to you, we give this space to you, and ask that you be glorified in and through it, God, that you would speak to us, that you would move in our midst. And God, that is such a gift that you would see us and know us and desire to allow us to join you in this work of ministry. Thank you, God, for loving us with that kind of love. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen? Amen. Uh, has anyone here ever regretted saying yes to something before? Yeah, that's probably most of us. I don't know what yours is. Maybe you regretted uh, signing up for a new cable provider that quadrupled in price after the first 12 minutes, right? That's, or, I mean, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you regret agreeing to watch your friend's dog and that dog ended up being the devil and that just wasn't fun for anybody. Or maybe, maybe it's a date that you regret saying yes to or you were excited about that date but you ended up just hearing about the rock collection for six and a half hours and it just... <laughs> wasn't what you were anticipating. I, uh, it reminded me of a, a clip from a little show called Friends. Perhaps you've heard of it. And in this clip, there's a, uh, I think, a regrettable yes that a lot of us can relate to. Take a look. Is this a gym card? Oh, yeah. Gym member. <laughs> I try to go four times a week, but I've missed the last 1,200 times. <laughs> so why don't you quit? You don't think I've tried? <laughs> You think I like having $50 taken out of my bank account every month? No, they make you go all the way down there. Then they use all these phrases and peppiness to try to confuse you. And then they bring out Maria. Who is Maria? Oh, Maria. Do you need me to go down there with you and hold your hand? No. All right, so you're strong enough to face her alone. Oh, no, you'll have to come. I want to quit the gym. You want to quit? I want to quit the gym. You do realize you won't have access to our new full-service Swedish spa. I want to quit the gym. Okay. Dave in the membership office handles quitters. Excuse me. Are you a member? Me? No. Sorry, members only. <laughs> I want to quit the gym. <laughs> Can uh, anyone in here relate? Right, okay, so I know that there are some of you who do actually go to the gym, and the rest of us will try very hard not to judge you. Um, <laughs> but have you ever regretted saying yes to the gym? Like... 
I'm sure this will come as a shock to you all, but I sometimes myself struggle to go to the gym. Your silence is very judgy. Um, <laughs> but I think we all have yeses we regret making, big and small. And, and I wonder if, at least in part, some of our anxiety and stress might be a result of just far too many yeses. Yeses that lack clarity, lack vision, lack purpose. I mean, think about it. Every day we have about a thousand decisions to make, right? Like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What selfie am I going to post? Which, speaking of which, maybe this is a good time to do that real quick. Yeah, just everyone smile. Oh, that's not how it works. Here we go. One, two, three. Ah. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Okay. Okay, but those aren't huge issues, obviously, right? But a lot of the decisions that we make have to do with our time and our energy. And can anyone in here relate to feeling like your energy is being pulled in like a million different directions? You're jumping from thing to thing to thing, often without any real vision or focus for why you're doing them. And it's, it's not even that a lot of those yeses are bad, but I think often the good things can become the enemy of the best things. The yeses pile up and the stress and anxiety continues to grow. So today what I wanna do for just a couple of minutes is to kind of just call a timeout. Like invite all of us to take a big deep breath, step back for a second, and I want us to ask this really important question. The question is this. What is the greatest purpose that I'm living for? What's the greatest purpose that I'm living for? I I think that answering that question well will help us to stop living for lesser goals and lesser purposes. Now, that's a question that was on the mind of a couple of fishermen in the book of Matthew as well. So here's kind of the scene. Jesus had just begun his earthly ministry And uh, he's going city to city, preaching this new provocative message of hope. And he comes to the Sea of Galilee, and he finds two brothers who are out fishing. They're fishermen. So they're just sort of doing their nine to five. And while they're fishing, Jesus says this. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Huh. That's kind of a peculiar offer, isn't it? Imagine you were working your nine to five and someone came in and said something like that to you. Now, keep in mind, what Jesus isn't saying is like, hey, let's go grab a burger at the Nazareth McDonald's or like, hey, would you like volunteer to run a 5K for the, you know, Sea of Galilee Middle School or whatever it is. He's not just simply inviting them to an outing. He's not just simply inviting them even to an event. He's asking them to consider the purpose of their life. His question in just a couple of sentences changed everything for these two men. And here's here's the kicker. It's the same invitation that's issued to all of us this morning, today, right here and now. So first, when Jesus says, come follow me, he's extending an invitation to relationship. He's extending an invitation to a relationship. Now, um, in the ancient Near East, the rabbis had what were called yokes. And yokes uh, were sort of simply what the rabbi believed about the world and their life in it. It wasn't just reserved for eggs. So the rabbi's yoke was their philosophy, their theology, as it were. And each rabbi had sort of a specific 
a slightly nuanced yoke, much like we do with pastors in denominations today. So what would happen is that through this Jewish education system, um, a, a good Jewish boy, if he was uh, able to kind of continue through each tier, um, would then uh, find a rabbi and he would long to hear these two infamous words, lech hakeri. Let me hear you say lech hakeri. Okay, that was okay, but it's got to be phlegmier. Like, if you're not spitting on the necks of the person in front of you, you're not doing it right. So let's try it again. One, two, three. Lech hakeri. Brilliant. What lech hakeri means, essentially in English, is come follow me. Come follow me. Now, it would have been extremely unusual for a rabbi to initiate with a disciple. Normally, an aspiring disciple, if they were able to cut it at each tier of this education system, they would then reach out to a rabbi, a rabbi they really uh, admired, uh, one they really looked up to, and then that rabbi would make the decision as to whether or not this would-be disciple, this pupil, um, actually had what it took. They had to prove that they were worthy to be called this rabbi's disciple. Which this morning, I, I think this is one of the most beautiful things about this story is that in Jesus, we see the opposite. We, we don't see these would-be disciples, these students um, coming before Jesus, having to prove themselves, having to earn their worth and identity. We actually see Rabbi Jesus initiating. We see him pursuing, calling out people who are doing their jobs and says, yeah, I, I got something way bigger and way greater than you could ever dream or imagine. That is the beauty of the gospel, that we don't have to beg for God's favor and affection. We already freely have it. We, we don't have to do a song and dance to get him to like us. We don't have to beg for his acceptance or approval. Instead, Jesus initiates and he says, come follow me. So what does it mean actually to say yes to this relationship, this invitation? The early church developed a practice to mark the beginning of the life of a Christ follower, this decision, this commitment. It's actually a lot like in a wedding ceremony. When you exchange vows, that is the beginning of their married life together. And the early church developed this practice called baptism. And baptism is essentially, it's a marker event in the life of a Christ follower. It's drawing a line in the sand. It's driving a stake in the ground and saying, I'm all in. It's not saying I have all the answers. I have everything figured out. But it's saying, I'm all in for Jesus. It's this public and outward sign of an inward spiritual reality. That when we are brought underwater, it's a reenactment of Christ's death and burial. But then we're brought out. It's a reenactment of the resurrection, of the new life in Jesus. I remember uh, years ago hearing a story about a Sunday school teacher who was asking a bunch of little kids um, about what baptism was and asked them to define baptism. And this one, this one little kid raised his hand and he said, um, it's when the preacher holds you underwater and you think about Jesus a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, which he's, he's not wrong. Um, but the beauty of baptism, and this is part of why we do it publicly, collectively, as a family, is that when we go under the water, we die to that old self, and when we come out of the water, we're raised in new life in Christ Jesus. And here's the great news this morning. If you're here today, 
and you've not yet publicly said, I'm all in. Jesus, I'm all in. Today is your day. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus at all. Today is your day to say yes, to go public and be baptized. Maybe you said yes to Jesus a long time ago. It could be days, weeks, months, years ago, but you still never actually went public and said, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm all in. Today is your day too, right here and right now. We actually have a whole bunch of people already scheduled to be baptized, to go public with their faith, which by the way, is going to be a party. We're gonna blow the roof off this place and you can join them. Today can be your day as well. Now this, this decision begins with baptism, but it continues with what we call discipleship. Discipleship is essentially being formed by Jesus. In this book called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus, Anne Spangler and uh, Lois Tyberg, they described what following Jesus would have looked like in his day and age. It says, to follow a rabbi meant something other than sitting in a classroom and absorbing his lectures. More than simply having knowledge or information about this rabbi. Rather, it involved a literal kind of following in which disciples often traveled with, lived with, and imitated their rabbis, learning not only from what they said, but also from what they did, from their reactions to everyday life, as well as from the manner in which they lived. So to be a follower of a rabbi meant far more than just having data and facts and ideas about someone. It meant to actually follow them. In fact, there was a, uh, an ancient blessing that began to kind of popularize around this time in history, and it went something like this. Be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Be covered in the dust of your rabbi. As if to say, walk so closely with him that literally the dirt from his sandals kicks up, gets in your hair, gets in your clothes, gets in your face. Don't, don't just know about him, but know him and know him fully. I think some of us, if we're really honest, like we, we know Jesus sort of like a Facebook stalker, right? Like we know when his birthday is, December 25th, of course, right? We know what he looks like. He's got long, you know, shampooed hair and a bathrobe with a Miss America sash he wears for some reason. I don't, I'm not sure. We know things about him at a distance. But if, if we're really honest in our heart of hearts, we know that we, we maybe don't actually know him. If you have following Jesus, meant to be covered in the dust of this rabbi. And I think, think that was true then. And I think that's true for us today. We're meant to travel with him, to live with him, to imitate him. And how, how do we actually do that? How do we actually grow in closeness with Jesus? It's through prayer. It's through reading his word. Through being in community together with one another. Secondly, though, when, when Jesus approached these brothers, he didn't invite them just to a relationship, though. He also extended an invitation to mission. I love this about Jesus. He never just simply invites to like some kind of buddy-buddy, hand-class, pat-pat kind of relationship. He invites people to the kind of life that turned all of their expectations upside down, but he always then includes with it mission. What am I supposed to do now as a result of this? It's one of the things that I love most about Jesus. He says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. In like one sentence, invitation to relationship and an invitation to mission. You see, 
Jesus wanted these disciples in close proximity to watch the way he talked to people, the way that he extended grace and mercy to people, all, all the nuance of just knowing someone really, really well because he knew he wasn't gonna physically be with them forever. He knew he would leave and we'd then have the Holy Spirit to empower us, but he wanted them to have such a clear example of what this actually looks like to be a Christ follower. So he invites them not just to relationship, but to join them on mission. He entrusts them with this mission. Now, it's important to note, I mentioned this, um, this sort of Jewish education system. There were sort of these three tiers and uh, at each tier, a student would have to memorize uh, like a whole bunch of scripture and they'd have to demonstrate a whole lot of other things that would prove that they had what it takes to be a good rabbi. And at each kind of interval, there would be an assessment and then if, if uh, a student didn't cut it, they would then say to the student, um, you have a great heart, um, you got great intent, you got great passion, you just don't have what it takes. So go, so go home and take up your father's trade. They'd say, thanks for the effort. Thanks for playing. You just don't got it, kid. Go home and do whatever it is that your father does. So these two brothers are fishing, which implies that they were those two. They fit in the category of not good enoughs. Didn't cut it. Someone at some point in their life said, hey, I like your zeal. You just, you're not smart enough holy enough, talented enough, skilled enough, wealthy enough, connected enough, whatever it is. And this is another thing that I so love about Jesus. He specializes in calling the not good enoughs. He makes a habit of it, it seems, of calling people the world at the time kind of deemed unworthy, unusable. He says, yeah, yeah, no, you're gonna be on my team. You're gonna be my varsity. Get in here. I have a mission to call you to. These two brothers had lived most of their adult lives realizing that they didn't have what it takes. And Jesus, this rabbi that turns everything upside down, says, I'm gonna make you fishers of men and women. I'm, I'm gonna turn the world upside down through you, through your influence, through your life. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, I think it, it makes so many other decisions so much more clear, so much more simple. Think about it this way. Um, when I got married, I said yes to Katie. I said yes to my wife. And I knew that, that was going to change my life. Saying yes to her, one of the best decisions I ever made. But I also knew that when I was saying yes to her, I was also saying no to about a thousand other things, not the least of which is to any other potential spouse. Does that make sense? My saying yes to her helped clarify so many other decisions. I'm saying yes to you, which means no to a whole lot of other things. Saying yes to Jesus is a lot like that. When we say yes to Jesus, I believe that we begin to stop living for lesser goals, lesser pursuits, lesser purposes, because he calls us to something far greater than ourselves, regardless of our story, regardless of our skill set. He says, get in here. I'm going to change the world through you. That's an incredible thing to be invited to. I don't know about you, but I was picked last a lot in school. And I was homeschooled, so that says something. Um, <laughs> I know firsthand what it's like to have someone, you look you in the face and say, you just, you don't got it, man. You don't have it, I'm sorry. 
You're not smart enough. You're not fast enough. You're not funny enough. You're not talented enough. You're not skilled enough. You just don't have the chops. And this rabbi Jesus regularly says, when the world told you that, man, I see a son. I see a daughter. Get in here. Let's change the world together. When you say yes to Jesus, when he says to us, come follow me, essentially this is what he's saying. He's saying, reorient everything in your life around me. Jesus doesn't want to kind of float in the top five of our lives. Like, hey, as long as you keep me in the top five, it's good enough. He's like, no, 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 no. Reorient everything else in your life around me. I'm the true source of life and identity and purpose. He's saying, whatever it is, whatever thing you've been white knuckling and holding on to, I'm better. I'm better. He says, I don't want to even just be top five. I don't even want to just be number one. I want everything else reoriented around me. And when we do that, I believe that we will begin to to see clarity in our decisions and where our energy and time goes. It's not instantaneous. But when Jesus becomes the focal point, other things become a whole lot more clear a whole lot more obvious. When you came in today, you were handed this yes card. I want you to pull that out. Um, Some of you, you've never said yes to Jesus. However, whatever language you want to use, however you talk about it, you you know in your heart of hearts, you're like, I've I've never actually said yes to Jesus. All right, Jesus. You, You can have not just my Sunday mornings, not just this circle of friends, I'm giving you my whole life, my whole heart. It's my sincere belief that there are people in this room right now, and you maybe have a knot in your stomach, and your leg's been tapping for a while, and you're sitting there, and you're like, he, I think he's talking to me. That's not an accident. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God moving and convicting and stirring in your gut, in your soul, in your mind, in your heart. So in a moment, we're gonna celebrate communion together and we have the communion stations up front here and up in the sections there. And we're gonna do a couple of things. I'm gonna invite everybody to exit out of the rows out the right. And if you are ready to make a decision today and you wanna go public with your faith, I want you to take that yes card and walk to the back of the room There'll be people wearing baptism shirts just like Patrick's and they'll walk you through the entire process. You take that yes card, you walk to the back and say, I'm ready to be all in. I'm ready to stop riding the line. Maybe you just never actually said yes fully with your whole heart to Jesus. And my guess is if you didn't plan to be baptized today, uh, you probably have a number of excuses maybe swirling around in your head. One of them might be, um, hello, I'm not ready for this. I don't have extra clothes. Don't worry, we got you covered. We got shirts. We have shorts that are very stylish. Um, we even have underwear. You're welcome. Uh, but we have blow dryers and towels. You might leave looking better than you came in. It could happen. We have an entire changing area and we've thought of everything. Today could be that day. 
Maybe you're thinking, like, I, I didn't plan on this. I want my friends and family to see this and they're not with me. We got that covered too. We got cameras at both of the baptismals. We have a photographer. We're gonna film the whole thing. We're gonna make the photographs and the video available that you can share it with all your friends and family no matter where in the world they are. Don't put it off. Today is your day. Maybe you're thinking, okay, so I was, I was baptized as a baby. Do I need to do that again? And I would just say this, that every example in the Bible of baptism, it was a conscious decision of the person being baptized. And so what I would say to you is if you were baptized as a baby, like getting baptized today as an adult doesn't, doesn't nullify your parents' decision. In fact, I think it affirms it because you're walking out what I believe that they hoped for you all along anyway. That was their prayer. That was their dream that you would follow Jesus with your whole life. Maybe somebody here is thinking, okay, so I already was baptized as an adult, but I feel like I I should do it again. Can I get baptized again? And I'd first say this, you don't need to. The the first one counts. (laughs) But you know, like in a marriage when maybe it falls on rocky times or there's been some distance and when you're, when you're reunited, sometimes couples will have like a, like a vow renewal service. They, they didn't have to, to qualify as being married, but it's a sign of their recommitment to one another. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you were baptized and if you're honest, you've, you just sort of drifted a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's more intense. Maybe there's some anger, there's some hurt, there's some pain that yeah, you've really been holding on to. Maybe for you, maybe it's, it's saying yes again as a recommitment to following Jesus. And some of you are like, well, I got, I got kids in Kid City, right? I want them to see this. We got that covered too. We're actually gonna bring them in and they're gonna be, they have the best seats in the whole place. They're gonna be in the balcony because we want them to celebrate together with us, to see their church family, their community celebrate the new life of baptism together. They'll be up there. They'll have the best view in the entire house. And you know, I, I hear a lot when people will say things like, well, don't, I, don't I need to kind of like get my life together before I make this decision? Nothing could be further from the truth. You don't, you don't clean up to take a bath, right? You take the bath to clean up. Jesus specializes in calling the broken, hurting people. You don't have to get your life in order, in order to approach Jesus. He says, whatever story you have, whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever struggle, get in here. There's new life to be found in me. It's not about taking care of that on your own and then coming to Jesus. Jesus says, all were weary, burdened, exhausted, and overwhelmed, jacked up, upside down. He says, son, daughter, there's room for you all here. I want today, I want October 15th, 2017 to be a day that so many of us look back and say, that's the day my life changed. That's the day I went public and I said, all right, I'm all in, which doesn't mean I have all the answers. I figured everything out. But it is drawing that line in the sand. It's driving that stake in the ground saying, I'm all 
in for Jesus. The invitation to relationship and the invitation to mission, to be on mission with him. So if that's you today, in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to exit your row, take your yes card, walk to the back of the room and say, I wanna be all in. I'm ready to make that decision. And for those of you who are maybe needing to reaffirm a yes, we're gonna celebrate communion together and communion is this beautiful meal that Jesus shared with his disciples just before he was crucified. The bread, his body, the cup, his blood, which is given to us freely so that we might live. So what I wanna invite you to do is to exit out your row to come forward. And if you wanna reaffirm a yes, you bring that yes card, maybe you need to write on the back what it is you're saying no to. What do you need to say no to in order to say yes to God? To place that on the table, grab a piece of bread, a cup of juice, return back to your seat through the left and you receive that when you're ready. You receive those elements, not just as a reminder that Jesus did this thing a couple thousand years ago, but that he invites us to the fullness of life right here and now. What an incredible thing that he would allow us to be a part of that with him. Let's pray. God, thank you that you you see us, you know us. I pray for anyone in this room who's feeling like, I, I think that's me. I think today's my day to go public. God, give them the courage to stand up, to move those feet. To know, God, that you know us better than we even know ourselves. Nothing's hidden from you. Nothing surprises you. Nothing catches you off guard. Whatever excuse maybe is, is swirling in our brains, God, give us clarity to know that you love us fully and completely. And that you invite us not to just know things about you, but to know you fully. We thank you and we love you, God, for what you're doing in this room. God, I pray that there would just be a tremendous move, your Holy Spirit. People's lives would be changed and that we would blow the roof off this place celebrating renewed life found only in you. We thank you and we love you. We pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.